1: From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: I'm Diosa and I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a podcast. podcast.
0: Welcome to Locatora Radio season nine. Love, Love at, first at first listen. listen. Hello
3: and welcome to Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff, your weekly podcast that brings you all the cool history and cool people who did, I'm, I'm your host, I'm tired of saying the word cool a thousand times in every introduction, but that's the way it's going to be. My name is Margaret Kiljoy and with me this week is none other than Andrew T, who is the host of the Also Does What It Says It Does podcast, <laughs> Yo Is This Racist. Yeah. Andrew, how are you doing? Pretty straight up. Yeah, I'm I'm good
4: good uh yeah we've I've been uh I'm I'm on a merciful hiatus from my my day job so um I'm still I'm still at the point in the like like week where I'm like I still wake up at 6 a.m. even though I don't have anywhere to be (laughs) and and things like that so
3: stare at the wall being like I don't understand I have so much to do but how do I do it
4: I'm just like so tired but yeah for no good reason I saw um I hung out with a friend's child I'm gonna just back of the envelope and say like a three or four year old. And I was like mm-hmm. sitting on the couch and fell asleep while she was talking to me. And apparently she like simply did not stop talking the whole time. But yeah, I'm, I'm at that just like, why am I so tired? I'm just falling asleep.
3: Okay. Constantly. Well, I will attempt not to put you to sleep. No, no, today. I'm good. I, I'm,
4: I'm awake. I, I had a, I had coffee.
3: Oh, okay. I'll, And so for anyone who's listening who doesn't know, which is, I don't know if that's any of you, Yo, is this racist has been around for, was it like 10 years now or something? Yeah, something like that. Oh, God. And from my point of view, honestly, it did a lot to shape discussions about race, at least in the subcultures that I'm part of. So thanks for doing that. We used to like (laughs) crowd around a not even laptop in our like weird communal punk house and like laugh at the Tumblr. Good Lord.
4: Yeah, it's been such a like, uh, you know, a, such a, a, evolution also of just like how people talk about stuff. Um, yeah. and you know, I've grown and then I had a co-host a couple years ago with Tani Newsom, So we've all like, you know, both been part of conversations, but also everyone's talking about this stuff in a, in a smarter way, but also not. Um, but yeah, it's nice. It's <laughs> nice to just have a thing to do that that's, a. Uh, that's you know more or less our, my own, our own, uh, and yeah. yeah, I don't know. And, and the thing that uh, I've always liked about doing Yozis Racist is, as a person of color in comedy, I more often than I would like wind up in situations where it's like all white folks around, mm-hmm. and you know sometimes people expect you to be the arbiter of this shit simply by virtue <laughs> of not being white. And uh-huh. now I can now I can offload that stuff to podcast i can just you know i'm not it's not i'm not on the clock right now so yeah
3: yeah totally i'm not going to tell you whether something's racist or not i don't want to talk about
4: this shit yeah Yeah. (laughs) i have (laughs) a time i have a time to do this and it's not right now
3: yeah i hear you have a tour coming up is that true
4: uh just a few tour dates yeah Uh, austin on the 20th of august and brooklyn on the 10th of september i'm realizing the months go 7 8 9 and the dates go 30 20 10 so that's weird Anyway,
3: got, uh, <laughs> I'm glad. You're, now I wish it was a numerology. So.
4: i was just looking at this. Yeah, but uh, yeah, suboptimalpods.com. Suboptimalpods is the uh, the little not even network because it's just us, uh, me and my co-host Tony Newsom. Mm-hmm. Uh, we made a little website and a little little thing for when we went independent uh, a couple years ago. Anyway, please yeah. come see us. It would be lovely. Hopefully, I will be entertain you all now. Enough to make a case for to see see us live.
3: Yeah, I, I, I'm optimistic. <laughs> uh, we also have our, our producer Sophie Lichterman on the call. How are you today, Sophie?
5: I am doing well, Margaret. Thank you for asking.
3: Mm-hmm. I, Sophie, did you ever have a Tumblr?
5: I did not. That was like the one. That was like the one <laughs> subculture thing that I like avoided.
3: I really? I,
5: yeah. I think I'm jealous. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I mean, in retrospect, yes, but it does seem like the kind of shit you would like.
5: I, it definitely does, but I, I, I honestly was did not have access to, like, computers and stuff that much. Sure, sure. Okay. That makes sense. I was, I was more of, like, an outside kid.
4: <laughs>
5: more of a sports team kid.
4: Yeah, doing doing actual shit
5: yeah i did get (laughs) i did get my myspace scrubbed from the internet like a few years back because there was like because it it was it was wow
4: is that a thing that that you can do yeah oh
5: man yeah but you have to like contact them because they because because when you for a while when you googled me there was just like awkward like tween age photos of me on the internet but yeah you had, I, I had more. to work really hard to scrub. You have to contact MySpace, still exists, but you have to contact them and you have to contact them like a lot and then yeah. you can get your MySpace scrubbed. Cause it was y'all yeah. keep
3: talking. I'm going to go ahead and just see if my, if
5: MySpace is still
3: up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am so grateful for the fact that I was an adult before, not before the internet, but before the like. <laughs> Margaret is trying to age
5: herself so much (laughs) back in my day before the internet. (laughs)
3: But I was an adult when I was on MySpace, and so I was posting cringy stuff, but it's like 23-year-old me cringy stuff or something, you know? Uh, A lot of old bad bands of mine have like multiple, I had multiple MySpace profiles for the same band because... you could only have four songs up, and so I just set up multiple. Oh, the
4: whole out al- Oh, wow! Yeah, that's yeah. so enterprising.
3: Yeah, um,
4: I'm gonna. It appears as if I am not on MySpace
5: anymore. I'm so happy for you. I
4: don't know if that's because
5: yeah. it was the it was truth. a mission to to <laughs> to remove what was <laughs> an interesting choice in music. <laughs> Okay, so speaking of things that have (laughs) cringy
3: moments and really beautiful moments, much like Sophie's MySpace, I'm sure. uh, I don't know what order we're going to release the episodes, but the last week, last week we recorded this tearjerker of an episode about the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising and people fighting against Nazis, and I cried like a million times while I was researching it. So I decided I didn't Uh want to do that this week. (laughs) So this week... I've got something a little lighter. It doesn't have zero people killed by Nazis, but it has okay. so many fewer. So many wow. fewer. All right. And because anywhere there's activists, there's bad stuff they're fighting against and yes. people trying to stop them, right? But today, we're going to talk about how cool it is when people share food with each other. Because today we're going to talk about a longstanding global mutual aid project. Andrew, how do you feel about mutual aid?
4: Uh, yeah, I, I've been I've been trying to get more involved in the the one that I my friend set up this little little outfit on a, that mostly hands stuff out on Skid Row and San Pedro for the sweep defenses here in L.A. Oh, cool. Um, it's all called Solidarity and Snacks, which I guess actually if there's another plug, uh, the last mm-hmm. meeting that I missed, apparently we are once again as perpetually we are running low on funds, so. Uh, solidarity and snacks. Go, go, and donate if you uh, feel like contribute. If you those feel are like two it.
3: good things in one title, yeah. <laughs> um, so today we're going to talk about a story of a mutual aid group that has spent a lot of time on the FBI's domestic terrorist watch list. It's an international conspiracy. It's present on every continent on Earth except Antarctica. It's present in at least sixty countries. It has somewhere around a thousand autonomous cells. And daily, they commit crime since pretty much 1980. Thousands of members of this conspiracy have been arrested, including 54 of them in one single raid in one of their terror cells in San Francisco in 1988. Because today, we're going to talk about food, not bombs. Yes, <laughs> I figured. <laughs> we're going to talk about the group of nonviolence activists who cook vegetarian meals out of food that would have gone to waste and then feed it to, for free to people in the park.
4: Yeah, I I was uh, in high school. I grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, um, uh-huh. which is a you know sort of because of college town vibes, like a big food not bombs kind, yeah. of, kind of joint. Yeah, it was often like yeah things like like littering or um, like you know serving like unlicensed food prep and things like that. Yeah, were the crime. Yeah,
3: yeah, totally. And we're gonna get into how like it's you know why they're choosing to to. After people with all that stuff, but yeah, wherever there's people trying to serve free food, there's people trying to stop them. So,
4: I mean, that's that has been the one thing is in my short like time, Mm -hmm. like really participating regularly in a mutual aid effort is like, yeah, just like the, the act of not having of trying to make people's lives slightly less miserable from time to time or like dignified, slightly more dignified from time to time is like an act of violence against the state in a way that is like, all right, well, this is good. This is something like, this is the revolution that my personal old body can handle. Also. Yeah, yeah, totally. We can just fucking help people. And that's like, kind of a revelation, I think for me.
3: Yeah. And like realizing that it actually, yeah, the fact that they're mad and try and stop it is how you like realize you're getting something done. You're kind of like, I mean, I want to feed people that rules but you're like, oh, this actually means something more. And you know, because they're trying to stop you from doing it. Yeah.
4: They're really pissed about it.
3: Yeah. So, so anthropologist David Giles called Food not Bombs tongue in cheek. He calls it a mass conspiracy to feed people or a, a network of anarchist soup kitchens. And importantly, Food not Bombs tries for a, a mutual aid model rather than a charity model. It's basically attempting to create horizontal care rather than something that denies people agency, right? You're trying to increase our collective agency rather than say well i've got some stuff and you can have it you peasant or whatever yeah yeah it's a it's a mass leaderless movement of autonomous groups that just share a few basic concepts and a name all you've got to do to be food nut bombs is call yourself food nut bombs and then go out and do it get food donations or just pull stuff out of the trash and then follow three basic principles of the non-group and the three principles are The food is always vegan or vegetarian and free to everyone without restriction, rich or poor, stoned or sober. You can tell this was written a couple decades ago. Food Not Bombs has no formal leaders or headquarters, and every group is autonomous and makes decisions using consensus process. Food Not Bombs is dedicated to nonviolent direct action and works for nonviolent social change. So Those are the three rules. But even, even these three rules, on the ground this gets messy, right? Because not everyone follows these three rules. Right, right, right. Like, theoretically, the one that I've run across the most, you know, theoretically, a group should not call itself food, not bombs if it serves meat, for example. And I might get flack for suggesting that I have observed people doing otherwise, right? Um, Yeah. You know, usually it's on the side, but, you know, and then I know another group that just didn't call itself food, not bombs because they were like, well, we're going to do the exact same thing, but we're going to serve meat. And their reasoning was sound. Their reasoning was, we eat meat, the people who are serving eat meat, so let's yeah. just serve them meat. Yeah. And, you know, and they're getting the same donations of, uh, of meat from the same place they get all the rest of the produce So fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh, go ahead.
4: Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, we recently had a thing with Solidarity Snacks where we got, yeah, like a hot food donation. Mm-hmm. And it really was a thing where it was like, man... You know, because our normal thing is like packaged like snacks oh, and yeah. water mm-hmm. and PPE and stuff like that. And it was just like, all oh, right, The transition between like serving plates <laughs> of is so many layers more difficult. Yep. And then like the, the vegan thing does have a extremely, I guess there's practical mm-hmm. elements that sort of cut both ways. One is like, it's a little wild to, it does feel like, look, if there is f- food that is not vegan, that is going to waste, mm-hmm. it makes sense. To get it back out into the community, yeah. I think. But also, it does it creates layers of food safety that yeah. are so many, yeah. so many magnitudes more complex. I'm just like you know, <laughs> the thing with the vegan stuff is that it is pr- almost certainly never going to go bad. Yeah. And if it goes bad, it's not going to kill someone.
3: <laughs> that is literally the like, next sentence of my script. That is so true.
4: It, yeah, in all likelihood, yeah. you know, caveat, but. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I was just like, because, yeah, I think the first time I came across the vegan thing, I was like, people don't necessarily want vegan stuff, yeah. but it's so much easier.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, um, I mean, I've been vegan for a very long time, right? But I, I, I have no problem with the people who are like figuring out ways to serve other people meat and all that. Um, but one of the reasons I stayed vegan for so long was because I ate food out of the trash for a very long time. And I was like, the worst I'm facing is a stomach ache. You know, I mean, I'm sure that there's a way that I could eat vegan trash (laughs) and kill myself if I really worked at it. But, yeah, you know, like way easier. I think it's significantly less likely.
4: Yeah, Yeah. I think that that truly is like the the strongest case for it. Yeah, it was a little hilarious. I forgot, like, at one point we were getting, um, oh, shoot, I feel bad. I don't remember the name of the organization, but it was it was some organization in um South Central had vegan burritos that were they were like contributing and it was a little like the chickpea curry burrito it's like such a staple <laughs> of mutual aid yeah I was just like yeah 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 this is what's going out the door right now <laughs> I was like damn I have I have like held this very burrito in my hand across like (laughs) different decades Uh like different states different cities it's always the same thing
3: (laughs) yeah i i love food not bombs but i um i didn't eat eggplant for a very long time after eating a lot of food not bombs because i was convinced you just it was impossible (laughs) to cook it well but the truth was (laughs) random people who don't know how to cook um yeah don't cook it well it is. It is that like God. We,
4: we feel like someone should just do like, like uh, the updated mutual aid cookbook. Yeah. Just like still shit that you can get frequently in donations, but we really just got to like change the proportions a little yeah. bit and like yeah, totally figure out some way to <laughs> or not. But I was just like, God damn it! This fucking <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
3: like chickpea curry burrito. I had it up so many times. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and the, and the other rule that people I think break, or not break, but is like complicated to a lot of people who set up these groups, is the third rule: the the fact that it is committed to nonviolent direct action. I would say food, not bombs, itself is a nonviolent direct action, and people get very excited about it as a nonviolent direct action. But I will say that yeah, um, a lot of the 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 activist world has changed dramatically since the '80s, and the threat models that we face have changed dramatically since the '80s and i would say that a lot of people who cook and participate in food not bombs on an organizational level are not themselves committed to nonviolence resistance
4: sure um, yeah and,
3: i mean i think i think rightfully
4: it's a multi part yeah. thing yeah exactly yeah that has been that has been like the an interesting thing about more actively participating in something like this too, which is like, again, something not the food, not bombs, but a mutual aid more, more like regular mutual aid thing is like, yeah, just like, like, cause part of me, was like, people here seem really paranoid. And then like, after hanging out with them for a couple of years, I'm like, I understand why people here are really paranoid. <laughs> <laughs> cause I was like, I don't know, we I feel like we put a lot of secrecy in like, you know, how many granola bars we're getting this week. Oh, and yeah. like, Yeah, You know, but I was like, okay, I'm starting to understand what's happening here.
3: (laughs) One time, this is, not I'm going off script. Whoa. Okay. So this one time I was in, it was like 2002 (laughs) or 2003, and we're having this demonstration in Chicago. And I I don't even remember what we were demonstrating against. I used to demonstrate against a lot of things. And we're meeting up in the basement of the info shop. And we're like, everyone's being really careful and like speaking about anonymous things. And everyone's like, it's this top secret thing. And the, the city has spent tens of millions of dollars on the... The security and we're all like, "All right, what are we gonna cook? What 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 is the food not bombs?" (laughs) And I remember because we had to drive past police lines with our like tables strapped to the top of a minivan in order to serve food, and, and we picked. I I was considered the most arrestable person, so I was the one (laughs) who carried the knife so that we could Uh, cut the table. Why? Eh, I had nowhere else to be.
5: (laughs) but I wasn't
3: out as trans yet you know Um,
5: the most arrestable person (laughs) low-key a flex (laughs) (laughs) that's
3: right yeah I was the one with no responsibilities and so so I carried the knife so that we could cut the rope to get the table off of the top of the minivan so that the minivan could get away before they would be like pulled over and ticketed and it was like okay how are we gonna you know and I just remember I had this moment where I was like they think we're down here plotting, like, murder, you know? Yeah. And we are definitely like, how do we go feed people downtown tomorrow? Um, yeah. I mean, like, the other way to look at it, though,
4: a little bit, I think, and the the feeling I've been having, and this might be a little, not like self-serving, but <laughs> self-justifying, is like, you know, like like any effort, I, I, it's it's that like logistical support is actually totally. like how you r- run a resistance, run an army totally. like you know, even just like recently, you know i I'm not like a military person, mm-hmm. but just watch you know this 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 shit in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. like half of it is really just like, yeah, you you make it so the food trucks take two days longer to get there and the army stops. yeah, like yeah. It's really like, like, I think that that is maybe the other side of it is like they realize that like this level of organization and like just truly mass logistical support is the thing that turns into whatever resistance is most needed at the time, or at least can turn into those are the pieces. No, you're right.
3: And, and it's part of, and now I'm cheating. We'll have to skip this when I get to it later in the script. It's part of um, what makes it mutual aid. Instead of just a charity organization, right? Because you're creating the infrastructure by which we can feed ourselves and others.
4: Yeah, I know absolutely. It's one of those things because I, I, you know, I'm I'm now just like I I've just aged into I can't, I'm too old to throw a brick. <laughs> not that I ever threw a brick, but I was like, no, no, you know,
3: certainly not. At least
4: <laughs> ready, ready in theory yeah. to throw a brick, yeah. and if I you know absolutely had to, yeah. and I was just like, all right, my brick throwing days are over, mm. but like. I don't even remember who, this is something I've repeated multiple places and I should look up, but the, this paraphrase, which is like, you know, it's not the sexiest thing, but someone needs to wash the dishes during the revolution yeah. too. Like, totally. you know, th- that's like just, you know, not like just as important maybe, but like those things are all like part of, yeah. you know, both an act of resistance and an act of good society.
3: Yeah. It's part of the invisibilized labor too, right? Like,
4: Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely like, I'm sure there's an element to it where the reason it's not glorious mm-hmm. is because it's quote-unquote women's yeah. work. Yeah, know? totally.
3: Yeah. yeah. Okay, so the first time I wrote in some of, I, you know, the whole thing isn't just Margaret Nostalgia Hour, but but I, I, I wrote <laughs> in part of this. The first time I ate Food Not Bombs, I've been a traveling activist for like three days. I had just dropped out of college. I'm in Richmond, Virginia, and I'm hanging out by the river with these like super scary train riding people with like There's like a woman with like face tattoos of like tiger stripes and stuff. And they're like, all right, we're going to Food Nut Bombs. So I go to Food Nut Bombs. And I show up in the park and a couple minivans full of crust punks, which is at the time is a very important distinction between the crust punks who live in houses and the crusties who don't. Um, Mm -hmm. All the terminology has changed since then. There's no point in me telling anyone this. (laughs) They they come out and they have all these trays of food. It's a three course meal. It's actually the best Food Nut Bombs meal I've ever eaten. They had like made <laughs> dessert. They made this like raspberry cobbler. And it was hundreds of people in the park from a lot, not all walks of life, right? But a lot of different walks of life of people are in this park eating this food. And it, and that was kind of when I learned that there was almost this like, and, I, and when I say was, it's because my own, my own knowledge of food not bombs tapers off, my own direct involvement in food not bombs tapers mm-hmm. off. But at least at the time, there was this kind of like network of all of the different East Coast cities were kind of competing to see who had the, the best food, the most food, the most servings, and to feed the most people. Um, and it ruled. Like it just, you know, that's the only like, competition I'm really excited about is the like super friendly competition where we all just get better at everything, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah.
4: Yeah. That that that's sort of like exactly the best version of this sort of thing. I guess it's also like having not as close, mm-hmm. but witnessed sort of these things also like it is remarkable how that what should be friendly competition can then also yeah, turn totally.
3: into yeah. like
4: bonkers hierarchical bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, come on. Totally. But any power, I guess, is always dangerous. Yep.
3: <laughs> okay. So the history of food not bombs. So it started as a bit of, it was a prank kind of, a bit of street theater. And one of the problems with doing the history of food not bombs is we mostly have one guy's word for it. The guy is still around who still cooks food not bombs, mostly in Santa Cruz. His name's Keith McHenry, and I don't agree with most of his takes on current events. Um, he's kind of gone anti-vax. Oh, sure. But, um, but we mostly have his word. We also have a word from our sponsors. Yeah. So one of the things that's very important <laughs> to know about Cool People Did Cool Stuff is that we are only sponsored by very positive things and also things that you can't buy. So for example, we are our, our perpetual and longest running sponsor is the concept of potatoes. No individual potato vendor or even <laughs> style, but just the concept of potatoes. And I'm wondering if you have anything particularly positive that you would like Sophie to do the work to get to sponsor this particular episode.
5: Previous sponsors have been the, the concept of tap water, the concept of music. Oh
4: I see. Well, yeah, just a little the dogs. I'm using a toothpick to point to the dogs snoozing in the dogs. background. Dogs, dogs. It's like a sleepy dog, a sleepy dog. Yes. Um, my my absolute worst thing that I've done in the last two years is I have trained the dogs uh, to go into the crate by saying "go to jail,"
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> and they go, they hop right in the crate,
0: <laughs>
4: and it's funny to me, but not awesome
5: i love that
3: <laughs> my friend had a had her dog trained to uh to, to put his paws on the wall if he said cops he would go up and put his paws against <laughs> the wall
5: that's amazing
4: yeah it's really you know the your relationship with your dogs yeah. is an interesting <laughs> yeah. one Yeah, let's give give it up for these little for the snoozing dogs,
3: sleeping dogs and whatever whoever else paid us the money and put ads on the show.
0: Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do, too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an Internet character of the day. Who were they? Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host.
6: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.
3: Okay, and we are back from those excellent advertisements about sleeping dogs. Uh, if there were any other advertisements at all, please complain to Sophie. Um, you can <laughs> find her on Twitter at I Write okay, And, so, Keith McHenry, one of the founders of Food Not Bombs, and the primary historian of Food Not Bombs, and I'm I uh, I don't I don't think he has any particular reason to lie about any of this, but it's just sort of frustrating that I can't check against other things very effectively. Sure. And he sometimes centers himself a little bit in the history, but um, but maybe it's completely accurate. I don't know. So he seems to be the one who runs the Food Not Bombs website anyway. I like food, not bombs as a mass movement is what I'm trying to say. And no offense to this particular person who I disagree with on some stuff. So sure. It grows out of the anti-nuclear movement. On on May 24th in 1980, there was this big civil disobedience protest at a nuclear power plant construction site in New Hampshire. And I know that nuclear power is kind of more of a complex issue in the current context of global warming. And as we try and figure out what the hell we're going to do. But at the time, nuclear power, especially, was understood as a pretty clear danger, right? The anti-nuke movement spent its time drawing attention to that danger, and especially nuclear disarmament, and the fact that they were all expecting to die in a hol- like a you know nuclear war at any given moment. And they were also did all this six years before Chernobyl, so they clearly weren't entirely wrong about the dangers of nuclear power plants. Uh, so they decided to try and stop this place from being built. And they do it through mass civil disobedience. And the way they go about it, it's really fucking cool. Uh, 4,000 people show up. And that's not huge for a protest, but it's really big for direct action. Yeah. 4,000 people with construction helmets and DIY padded armor and grappling hooks and shit show up. Uh, and they are all set to tear down the fence, storm the place, and put their bodies in front of bulldozers in nonviolent civil disobedience form. The government, though, the government doesn't actually want them to do this. For some odd reason. I wasn't able to find the government's reasoning for stopping them. But they go about working trying to stop them. The National Guard shows up. They wade in with batons to beat the shit out of everyone. They pepper spray everyone. Helicopters drop tear gas on them from helicopters. I guess the helicopters are the helicopters. And the spokesperson for the, the protesters, a guy named Brian Fiegenbaum, may or may not have hit a cop with a grappling hook. Uh, that is what he got arrested for, anyhow. And I, I would argue that he deserves support, even if he didn't do it. So, <laughs> so his support team. Thanks, thanks for laughing at my joke. Um, <laughs> I appreciate it. It took me a second. Yeah. I was like, I got it. Yeah, I got yeah. It. I wrote it, and I was like, is this going to work? I don't know. Anyway, um, so his support team goes about trying to raise money for his legal defense, and so they're like, "All right, it's 1980, and you're." How how would you what's the first non-crime method that you would use to try and raise money? I'm I'm curious.
4: Uh in the eighty 1980s? Yeah. God, I don't know. Uh yeah. it's okay. There's kind of there's gotta be some <laughs> some like securities fraud or something. So no, I said non crime. Right? Non crime. Non-crime. non-crime.
5: non-crime.
4: Uh, I think I most, of those, most of those guys were not
3: charged with anything. <laughs>
4: That's fair, so. Fair, so. All right, fair, All right,
5: <laughs> I like mine, Danceathon. Yeah. There it is.
3: And the world would be a very different place <laughs> if they had gone with Dance-A-Thon. They did not? <laughs> no, they went for a, a bake sale.
5: Cute.
3: And a bake sale is a very cute way to have people have muffins and brownies, but it is not a particularly effective way to raise money on the scale that they're attempting to raise money. So it doesn't work very well. And so they're like, Okay, you know that cliche, it'll be a great day when our schools get all the money they need and the air force has to hold a bake sale to to buy a B1 bomber. Okay, mm-hmm. so my theory is that in the 80s, everyone in the United States was mailed a poster that says this and that's how it became a cliche, much like how sure. I believe it was 2005 where the government mailed everyone a coexist sticker so that they could put it on their car.
4: Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So they're look. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like I having grown up in like a kind of hippie college uh-huh. town, I'm just like I feel like I know the exact person who probably had to be making those oh, fucking yeah. coexist. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, they're also anti-vax. Yeah, now. hippies. Hippies when anti-boomers. Hippies when anti-vax. I guess. No, that's just the they're way. They're like, the we
3: don't trust the government. Which is good I'm like, I don't either, but I trust good. scientists sometimes.
4: Yeah. Well, it's also like. Oh, I mean, obviously, we don't need to, <laughs> you know, go go down this road, but it's like. That's not how the government is going to fuck you. I know. (laughs) It's so weird. It's like they're going to fuck you by not giving you a vaccine, you lunatic, or charging you money for it. If you think they have goddamn Terminator style nanobots, then like. It's over. It's over at that point. The vaccine. Yeah, the vaccine is by far the least (laughs) of your worries. Bill Gates can't even get you to buy a fucking telephone. Yeah. You think he could control
3: people's minds? <laughs> yeah. Oh, if he did, it would just be through advertising and like, yeah, yeah. It's they are controlling your minds yeah. in a different way. That's
4: yeah. oh, so dumb. Sorry, I'm. They sorry. would be
3: buying advertising this and politically is like- radical
4: shows. Oh no. <laughs> This is like 2020 yeah. uh, level of discourse. I
2: apologize. <laughs> I
4: apologize for being so far behind. It's
3: right. I live under a rock. So, Okay, so <laughs> they look at this poster. They, they have a copy. They Apparently, they got one because they were like, they also had like a moving company. They just had a bunch of different odd jobs. And someone like gave them a poster. And they look at the poster and like, oh, that's a good idea. So they have another bake sale. But this time, they dress up like generals. And they just say, we're here to raise money to buy a bomber. <laughs> and this, t- once again, does not raise much money for their friend. But what it does is it shows them that uh, street theater is a very effective means to, to communicate with people and talk to people. Because the first bake sale is kind of a wash. Second bake sale, they don't make any money, but they they talk to people. And people get are like, oh, what's this about? And they get to like talk about all their politics and stuff with passerby, and people are into it. So they're like, all right. Street theater, that's the thing. And so the next thing they do, they're not even trying to raise money anymore. They just want to protest some banks that are funding nuclear nonsense. And so there's a big stockholder meeting. It's March 26, 1981. And the activists decide to stage us. Okay, this part's actually really cringy. Um, <laughs> they decide to stage a soup kitchen in front, uh, which is okay. And they're like, these policies are what led us to the Great Depression. We don't want to go back. I'm like, okay, I'm with you and then they're like so let's dress up like homeless people um i'm no longer with them and then sure. they're like and let's go to a homeless shelter the night before and recruit people to come be extras in our street theater at this protest by telling them that we'll give them some soup if they come and i don't want to like deny the people who came their agency but like i don't know i don't i don't yeah. love this
4: yeah i mean any anything conditional is always like yeah. 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 I, you sort of like see exactly like the origins of this. um, Yeah. This like kind of type of movement in a way. You're like, okay, well, but that is actually why it's nice that, um, y- you know, there's, I think the emphasis on a non-hierarchical yeah. kind of thing. At least it's like good. There's no there's no gods, there's no founding fathers yeah. that we have to give a shit about yep. even in this mutual aid effort. Yeah, exactly. Which is like so
3: yeah. good. Yeah, and I and you know, and I can be like super grateful that you know what they what they set up and like and so they staged this protest, they set up a soup kitchen and like fifty people from the shelter come and they show up for lunch and everyone was happy and everything was good based on what we know of it and, and the fifty folks were like there's no one really feeding people downtown. This is Boston. No one really feeding downtown. You should do this every day. And, um, and I would argue that these 50 anonymous people are the true founders of Food, Not Bombs, but that's just my own. Um, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And they're like, okay, we're actually onto something here. So all these activists, they're like, food matters, food brings people together. People also need food. People seem to be addicted to it for some odd reason. And so they all quit their jobs. And depending on who you ask, they either rented a house or squatted a house. And now I would argue quit your job and rent a house is a sort of contradictory statement. <laughs> so yeah. my money is on squat a house. There's probably <laughs> Yeah. That's probably <laughs> um, fair. <laughs> you know, or you know, or one of them had a bunch of money from somewhere, which is totally fine. And if so they just if so, they use their parents' money incredibly well. But my money is on squat at a house. And they they just go about doing this. And they start soliciting donations of food that would be going to waste from from bakeries and food co-ops. One of them worked at a food co-op and was like used to throwing away all this food and was like, this sucks, you know. And uh, they start cooking all this food and they start bringing it to shelters, to rehabs, to immigrant support centers, to housing projects. Basically, they're like anywhere someone needs food, we're showing up with food. We're good at finding food and we will bring it to people. And then with the like kind of leftovers, they start having this feed in Harvard Square and they set up food for all comers. And these feeds turn into events. And people are bringing puppets and drums and all that shit that 80s activists were super into. And people are sharing radical literature. And then they're running around graffiti and everything with like peace graffiti. I've totally met this kind of person before. And I, I love them even though I'm not one of them, you know. And one of the slogans mm-hmm. that they use in their, their tag is money for food, not bombs. And eventually this gets shortened to food, not bombs. And that's how the, the whole project gets its name. Or Keith Henry coined it. Depends on who you ask. Sure. And I'm going to take one more swipe at this particular weird history stuff. Uh, soon they had a logo too, which is a purple fist holding a carrot. That's the Food Not Bombs logo, and Keith McHenry drew that. But um, the food co-op movement had been using a fist holding a carrot as a logo uh, since the 1970s. So anyway, <laughs> whatever. Like, yeah, I actually kind of don't care. Like, but go ahead.
4: Yeah. It's that era. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. Yeah. It's just sort of that era and that type of folks. And there's a kind of limit to how much different graphic design you can That's do. That's a good point. Yeah, totally.
3: <laughs> and so culturally, this group grows out of the anti-nuke movement, uh, which was a, a kind of a fun mix of anarchist and Quaker who are both friends of the pod. They seem to show up constantly. Well, the anarchist because I'm I'm one, so I keep throwing them in. But the Quakers, <laughs> I had no idea when I started this podcast how fucking radical the Quakers are throughout everything in history. And then also radical Catholics are part of the anti-nuke movement. And, and I know some of the founders of the of FUNA bombs are anarchists. I don't know if all of them were. It's possible because they, like, they seem to practice a lot of the cultural norms of like, anarchist activism throughout this time. But it's also possible that they just set those norms. So I don't know. But the anti-nuke movement, it's drawing from these three sources. And as far as I can tell. You get direct action protest and youthful vigor from the anarchists. You get consensus decision-making from the Quakers. And from the Catholics, you get this, um, you do what is right, whether it's safe or not. And then you also get this idea that I had no idea about, but I got kind of excited about when I learned about this idea called personalism, this theological concept. And this segues us into me explaining the different ways that people talk and look at homelessness. So I want to do that. Yeah. Yeah.
4: All right. All right. Uh-huh. Wait, uh, are you going to go into personalism? I am, but it's going to come um, back around. Oh, do you already okay, you know about personalism? No no, I, if so. no, oh, okay. no, no, no. no. Yeah. I'm really, I'm just like, yeah, Okay, I'm no, ready. it's going to come back hearing. around
3: to it. So, Amazing. Okay, so there's, I'm going to contrast two theories about homelessness and extreme poverty as named by sociologist uh, Teresa Gowan. And I hate, a good, I hate a good versus bad dichotomy, but this is a good versus bad dichotomy, because one of these <laughs> ideas is good, and one of these ideas is bad. Um, the first theory uh, Gowan calls sick talk. And this theory claims that people are homeless because of mental health, addiction, and criminality. Uh, Do you want to guess whether this is the good theory or the bad theory by my standard?
4: (laughs) I'm comfortable saying bad.
3: (laughs) Surprise, I love this one. No, I'm just kidding. So sick talk goes back centuries. Everyone always wants to blame individuals for social problems. I don't know if you've run across this before.
4: Yes, of course, Uh,
3: yeah. In contrast, you've got system talk. And I think that they use these terms to be like the way people talk about it, right? Um, so you can either talk about people as sick or you can talk about systems. And during the Great Depression, future friends of the pod, industrial workers of the world, the Wobblies, they push this sort of theory. The This theory is basically that homelessness is driven by the boom and bust cycles of capitalism and the economy's need for a huge reserve of workers. And And for a good 40 years or so after the Depression, even the U.S. government is on system talk a kind of a watered down one compared to what the labor unions want but and it and this is where you get like the new deal and all that shit from um which is like trying to moderate out the worst bad stuff about capitalism um in a lot of ways as far as i understand basically to be like well we either do this or people start thinking that the ussr is looks like a good idea you know yeah then reagan came in and dismantled all that shit in the 80s with this free market bullshit uh, which caused a spike in homelessness, which then got blamed on people getting out of mental institutions. Right. Even though actually the pe- there were more people going into mental institutions, not the other way around. But right, right. <laughs> sick talk isn't a totally fuck them approach. It's not just a like I don't care or let them die in the streets. Instead, it's like yeah, like system talk is like well, let's provide everyone what they need, or at least let's set up like work programs and and help everyone deal with shit. Whereas sick talk solutions are like, oh no, everyone who's homeless is sick and needs treatment, and they treat homelessness as yeah. this individual problem. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's also that,
4: you know, the, the thing, the charity versus mutual mm-hmm. aid thing, as you talked about earlier, which is like, which is also vocabulary I'm like not good at. Eh. Uh, but yeah, this idea that it's like, like sick sick talk as as we were as you were is sort of like leads to this like pity yeah. response. It's so like you do this out of pity um which is not like effect. i yeah. mean you see the ways that it's not yeah, effective.
3: totally no that's such a good point point. and so even though it's reagan who brings all this stuff up uh is bipartisan bill clinton is entirely on this page and everyone since then has pretty much been on this page um because if we can see homelessness as a personal failing instead of an economic crisis then we can avoid paying attention to the economic crisis although i would argue that we will not be able to avoid talking about the economic crisis much longer yeah but um i don't know so so i don't like sick talk very much i like system talk but what does this have to do with food not bombs and catholics and personalism you ask glad you asked so (laughs) these problems uh they they have to get addressed on a system-wide level But that doesn't mean there aren't individuals who are suffering from it. And so I want to quote uh, the author Sean Parson, who wrote a book called Cooking Up a Revolution, about food-not-bombs. What makes the radical homelessness politics of groups like food-not-bombs and the Catholic workers unique is not that they embrace a systems talk, but that they fuse systems talk with a radical personalism. Personalism, which has its roots in Catholic theology and the writings of Thoreau and Tolstoy, Friend of the pod, Tolstoy, and every fucking episode along with (laughs) incredible.
5: I did not think we were getting a Tolstoy in this one. Wow.
3: Nope. Um,
5: Unbelievable.
3: (laughs) Uh, Is a European religious ethical philosophy developed by Emmanuel Manier. I think to Manier, each and every person was modeled in the image of God, and therefore was uniquely beautiful and valuable. Therefore, no person is worth more than another, and no person is expendable. And so. Uh, I'm, I'm no, no longer a quote personalism is really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it it springs up in the early 20th century, and then it influences this interwar movement in France. I love falling down these rabbit holes. is one of my favorite parts about this podcast. So there's this this interwar movement in France called the nonconformists, who do what a lot of my favorite people do. They like um, they're influenced by a bunch of French socialists, including uh, Proudhon, the anarchist, and they they hate capitalism because. Uh, reasonably obvious why and they hate fascism because it's even more obvious why um and they hate the ussr because (laughs) reasonably obvious why um (laughs) and actually one of the reasons that they hate the ussr though is that they're mostly religious and they are not materialists they they believe in, in spirituality and so they're like left with like well what the hell do we believe if we come up with this like spiritual socialism and it's very heavily influenced by personalism and um and I don't know a ton about these folks yet. I'm just like kind of starting to learn about them. Also, they kind of didn't get a chance to do anything cool because then World War II happened and then like half of them became collaborationists with the Nazis and then the other half joined the French resistance, um, I think. Right. So,
4: which is, I guess... <laughs> that makes sense. It's sort of... Yeah, those are sort of the two sides yeah. of it. I just, even as you're talking, the, the interesting thing is like, I mean, like any philosophy, obviously, like... A, there, anything could be used in a different way, but uh, I hadn't really like heard this phrase or this concept personalism. Mm-hmm. But that also is the direct line to if you truly believe that a fucking embryo is a person, then why why is you know a real person more valuable than these cells? Yeah, if totally. You believe in personalism. Totally. Like. Oh,
3: yep. And you know what else is more valuable than some cells? <laughs> Advertisements. Yes, always. Once
5: once again, debatable.
3: Yeah, fair enough. Uh, (laughs) Unfortunately, based on the aforementioned economic system that we live under, we are sponsored by advertisers. And you can listen to them if you want. Or you can fast forward, I don't care.
0: Neither do I. Bean Dad, The Dress. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host.
6: apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast take good care and we'll see you there
3: and we are back yeah, and we're talking about personalism and, and all that stuff and and one of the reasons i like how it ties into uh taking care of people is that it's kind of this exploding mm-hmm. brain meme right um you get the 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 smallest brain is the sick talk where it's like homelessness is an individual person's fault. And then you get systems talk, which is like, actually, it's the result of systems and needs to be addressed on a systemic level. And then you get the big exploding brain thing where it's like, yeah, it's totally the system's fault and needs to be addressed on a systemic level. But this also affects individuals and we need to address it on an individual level as well. Even though the blame isn't on the individual, the care yeah. also needs to happen on an individual level. Um, so I like it. Is what I'm trying to say.
4: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably right. I mean, it's it's it, it's the two sides hmm. of that, which is like it's a systemic problem, but systems are just groups of people doing shit to other groups yeah, of people. Totally. And like one way to help fix that of as an individual is to just try to undo some of that. No, harm.
3: totally. And like like I don't know, if you'd like walk into your house and it's trashed, totally wasn't you, I swear. And like you just got to start cleaning, you know, it's like, yeah. all right, just pick up one yeah. thing
4: and then the next thing. And then the next thing. Yeah, yeah exactly.
3: Um, you know, and then you also have to figure out uh, the systems that we're allowing. Your, Why this yeah, keeps yeah, exactly. Happening. Yeah. So uh, anyway, the, the anti-nuke movement, all these things coming together. I really like when different, different groups with different ideologies get together and figure out what they can do together and where their strengths overlap. And so that's, and and how you get Food Not Bombs, this global movement, out of this uh, melting pot or, you know, whatever, this alchemical pit, mortar and pestle. I'm not very good at alchemy. Um, I have not successfully uh, turned lead into stone, lead into gold. I don't even know what I'm supposed to turn lead into. I'm going to continue with the script. Gold. <laughs> gold. Yes, yeah. that's it.
4: You're, you don't need that lead.
3: <laughs> um <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay, but when we start our worker-owned ammo factory and we yeah. use it to fund food for everyone, we can have the slogan turning lead into gold because we make money off oh, of the I ammo. Thought,
4: yeah, I thought you were going the other way. We're turning gold into lead. Ah, no, yeah, but it need. does go both ways. Okay,
3: that's actually a better direction. All right. Well, you can be in charge of that part, <laughs> the figuring out what we're doing. Oh, God. Um, God forbid. Okay, so... <laughs> Yeah, I guess you have other stuff to do. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't be good at it. You don't want me taking all this right, one. Out. All right, fine. We'll find someone else. Sophie? All right. Anderson, maybe? Sophie. I, I'm
5: shaking my head. Uh, Anderson's her own Anderson. person. I mean, she doesn't have thumbs, but she would give it her best effort. Yeah.
3: Well, that's our our um our logo is just Anderson's face. Anderson is a dog for anyone who's listening
5: she just Um, gave me the best side eye a dog can give (laughs) I looked at her like I was like is that true that's what you're doing on your free time and she was like uh huh (laughs) so I guess it's true yeah
3: All right. so back to honestly seems right
5: back to food nut bombs it
0: really does
3: (laughs) in the early 80s Food Not Bombs is at every protest, including anti-nuclear activism against the war on drugs. They're working against all the fuckery that the U.S. is getting up to in Central America. Basically, they're part of like every movement that anyone who was paying attention in the 1980s would be part of. And, and this part is important, too, right? That they fed protests. You know, we talked about this a bit before, right? That like it's mutual aid is this act of solidarity um, because it's it's sharing things because sharing things is good because we should take care of each other. And there's, like, this reciprocity implied in mutual aid. And actually, a lot of the older definitions of mutual aid are actually, um, like, mutual aid societies where everyone, like, pools their money and take care of each other. It's actually where, like, modern insurance comes from and all this shit. Um, like, yeah, basically, like, you you, you join a society. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But... But this mutual aid, it's, it doesn't necessarily imply a one-to-one. It's not, I scratch your back and you scratch mine. And so the mutual aid of Food Not Bombs is, I'm human, you're human, let's take care of each other. Um, I got all this extra food. I cooked it up for me and my friends. You can come too, you know, um, and a lot of the people, more than other organizations that I've seen that do this, it's not perfect or utopian, then it's never always right. But it's like a lot of the people who come to eat end up winding, wind up cooking and organizing as well, because it's so participatory. Mm-hmm. And they've done two things uh, intertwined for 40 plus years. First, it feeds hungry people. And second, it's fed a movement. And just basically allows these social movements to exist. You know, like when, when I was a, a full-time activist, when I was sick, I would go to activist doctors. When I needed shelter, I would squat buildings or I would stay in people's backyards or basements or, or wherever people could find shelter for me while it's in town for a protest or whatever. And, and when we needed food, there's food, not bombs. Uh, Sometimes in some cities, there'd be four or five days a week that you could go to Food Not Bombs and get a hot meal and groceries to take home. And anyone who comes, you're treated like a person instead of like the sort of like lots of other groups feed, and that's cool. But there's like a scale of how inclusive it feels. Like when you show up and they're like, here's your number, make sure you sit at least 30 feet away from me because I don't like looking at you, you know?
4: Yeah. Yeah. That's like, oh God. I mean, that's such it's like, it's so like, I'm just, I, mean, I can't even like figure out like the, the, what I'm saying, <laughs> but it, it, it is just the thing where you're like, yeah, you see that. And yeah, I, maybe this is again, me, me now having spent more time on Skid Row than I yeah. had, you know, prior in the last like two years, but it is like, and I'm sure every, every bit of like, you know, uh, I roll mm-hmm. i feel watching some other groups i'm like i have been that person so i'm <laughs> totally. trying not to just be like like you know gatekeeping yeah. or a dick about it yeah. at all I, i'm just it, it is though you're just like oh my god yeah all, all those things that you see it's like almost and and not mm-hmm. always without malice but often it's like not even with malice it's just like you know you don't know how to if you're not yeah. sort of comfortable or fluent in, in what folks need and want, and you know, you know, there's and there's elements too of just like, what, I'm giving you something, yeah. you know, they, <laughs> I think it's the, like, you should be grateful yeah, of yeah. it. That is like, so like, yeah. Oh,
3: yeah. Fine. And it's like, and sometimes it sucks, right? You like, you give someone something and they're like, well, I want another one. And I'm like, I wish you appreciated that I had made this for you,
6: you know? Yeah. And like, cause like sometimes it's like, well, you
3: also want to be seen as human. And now, I walk through my life and I'm seen as human on a fairly regular basis as compared to the person mm-hmm. who I'm offering this thing to. But yeah, like it, you know, yeah, it's, it's it's all a scale. And like, I'm not yeah. trying to knock people who, you know, it's like, and even the, like the line between charity and mutual aid is not this like impassable gulf with two completely different ideas on each side. It's like a, it's a spectrum. And like, we mm-hmm. should all look at trying to increase other people's agencies and, and, and create mutual aid you know, but it's like, but also just like fucking go out there and try and help people have better yeah. lives and then figure it out. I don't know. Like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think it,
4: it, hopefully the good version of this is people get yeah. there kind of yeah. no matter what. So, yeah.
3: And then another um, another thing that sort of ties into this like movement building version of Mutual Aid really quickly that I, I is not really included in this episode. We'll have his own episode, I'm sure, is the Black Panthers breakfast uh, program that they did. You know, and there's this Mm -hmm. famous thing that the Black Panthers, one of the most radical things they did. And actually one of the things that I believe even the FBI uh, said was one of the most dangerous things they did was that they fed people. They fed kids before they went to school. And like, and that's a movement feeding itself, you know, even though it's like, I mean, the kids aren't the activists, but like, whatever, like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So this is what they're doing in Boston at this point. This is not spread yet. And there's one little tiny anecdote that I think is just, like, cute and funny about them. Okay, so there's the Pepsi challenge, right? And I thought this was this thing that only existed <laughs> in the 80s, but I was, like, looking it up for this episode. Apparently, it's, like, still ongoing. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, okay, so there's a Pepsi challenge where you're, like, supposed to drink Pepsi versus Coke in a blind taste test. Sophie's looking at the script being, like, where's no. this shit going? Um <laughs> yeah, because this is
5: a thing again. This is a thing again. It's all over. You you would that you would not know this, Margaret, because it is very pop culture. But it's a whole thing oh, right shit. now on TikTok. No, I where, no idea. Uh, I, yep. Where p- there's a bunch of people and they take you know Diet Coke, uh, uh-huh. Diet Pepsi, Coke, Pepsi, Coke. There are all those yeah. things and. They put, it behind, they put all the cans yeah. and, or whatever and then the person drinking it can't take it and people are like trying to mm-hmm. be like, no, I know what the real one is and like most of the time they get it wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's so, it's, yeah, no, that's like a viral trend right now TikTok, right. on TikTok and for some reason. I'm on
3: trend by accident. For
5: some reason, I get those, <laughs> which is like, why? But okay. <laughs> like apparently that's something I'm super into and now we're talking about it on Cool People Who Did Cool uh. Stuff.
3: <laughs> maybe okay. maybe the algorithm wrote this episode. Um maybe I'm the algorithm. <laughs> I'm the machine. Are you the algorithm? I'm the
5: machine. Okay. I knew it.
3: Yeah. That's why you're so angry against me. It's <laughs> a rage against the machine <laughs> joke. That's a band I've heard of, even though they're pop culture. I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> so the the Pepsi challenge has been going on since the 70s. It's the least important thing that's ever happened in the history of the universe. You got the, the <laughs> cola wars between Coke and Pepsi. So Pepsi is setting up tents and doing this blind taste test. And they, they probably, there's like different ideas of how they like make it so that they win all the time. Um, you know, and one, one claim is that they basically put out like fizzy Pepsi and flat Coke. And they, they set up right next mm. to the Food Not Bombs tent in Harvard Square. And so, and they keep doing this. And the Food Nut are like, oh my god, we hate this so much. This is the fucking 1980s. Like, anti-corporate branding is, like, their thing, right? And, um, and so they hate this so much. So what they do is they go home and then they come back and they have the tofu challenge. <laughs> where they make smoothies <laughs> with tofu in them. <laughs> and they offer people free smoothies with tofu in them. <laughs> and, and I hope they made them taste okay. Because... You can have a tasty tofu smoothie.
5: It's just that that sounds like some shit. So my my brother has was like plant based for about 10 years. Uh-huh. At When he started medical school, he stopped being able this I'm just airing out his life. He stopped being able to digest meat. Yeah, uh, he can digest meat again, uh, but like, he kept trying to trick me into eating tofu. Like <laughs> he would be like, "Isn't that delicious?" And then he, and then and then I'd be like, yeah, he'd be like, "It's tofu," and like I wouldn't know, so I had like major de- like trust issues with <laughs> vegans for a minute because he'd be like, "Isn't that delicious?" It's not actually cheese. And it's like, yeah, I, I I know. Yeah, you wouldn't have you given me cheese. <laughs> you sprinkled it from like a little container. Like, I'm very aware that that is not cheese on the thing you're calling pizza, anyways. But yeah, tofu mm-hmm. smoothie, delicious, hot.
3: Okay. I'm not believing okay. you. Okay. not believing you. Here's my pitch <laughs> half a block of tofu, a tablespoon or two of cocoa, some protein powder if you feel like you want protein powder, and then a bunch of maple syrup. And some, no. some almond yeah, milk if you need to. You kind of just got to make it, make it, yeah, it's like. No for
4: texture. Yeah. Nope. still
5: no.
3: All right, well everyone
4: still at home, don't
5: believe you. I drank one earlier that a lot. I will I drank try one it. I'll try it because you're mm-hmm. telling me what it is before giving it to me, and you're not going. Ha ha! It's <laughs> tofu yeah. or whatever the. But uh, yeah. So it's a smoothie with no fruit. What's happening? There's yeah, no so fruit it's, it's actually smoothie. more of like like the first
3: yeah. time I I did it. It's, it's like, it's like a a chocolate. Yeah. It's actually. Oh.
5: Yeah. If you have that a lovely.
3: If you have a food processor and I um, don't, you don't have to add the almond milk. And then it's like a mousse texture. Um, and you just have to add enough sugar uh, so it tastes good. Because the texture's fine. Um, mine are a little bit yeah. more smooth. You can also... I mean, it's just that... I, I think you might
4: be thinking of a different tofu, Sophie. The It's it's more like that very silken stuff. Yeah. Like at a, yeah. like at a, a BCD just, type place. So once yeah. once you...
5: That's fair. Well...
3: Well, you can go like with the the
4: smooth, the smooth. I've just just
5: been, uh, you know, tricked into (laughs) eating tofu one too many times. (laughs) I
3: didn't eat tofu (laughs) for the first like two years I was vegan because when I was a teenager, I went to a salad bar and was like, I will try tofu. And it was just a block of unseasoned tofu. Yeah, it's horrible. It was one of the worst things I'd ever eaten.
5: If you don't know how to cook tofu and that's how that's what you think tofu is, it tastes horrible. But cooked tofu done correctly and marinated yeah. and seasoned and, yeah. you know, actually, it, it's delightful. And Especially so, in a soup or a stew. <laughs> and so
3: what I wonder, and I think the most important decision before we can decide whether the Food Bombs original crew was mm-hmm. good or bad, <laughs> was whether or not they made good tofu and fed it to people, or whether they made bad tofu and fed it to people. Because they could go either way. Uh, yeah, it was
4: definitely, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that I would find it bad. pretty confident
3: i think you're probably right especially when you're right next to fucking (laughs) like i don't drink soda this is no like purity thing i do all kinds of bad things for my body but like but if if someone was like does this taste better is this taste better and one of them is soda and one of them is like random (laughs) tofu smoothie i bet my money's on the soda
4: there's no yeah it's pretty unlikely
3: but and they scared away the pepsi people and I suspect it was more to do with the fact that they were probably like cussing at him and yelling at him all the time than the tofu.
4: Yeah, yeah. That's so. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's like kind of a, a nice victory. Yeah. Probably.
3: And that's where I want to end today's uh, today's episode, where we can, you know, there's hippies feeding Boston healthy food, and I hope it's tasty, but who knows? And, you know, they get more and more interesting to me as they spread, uh, and that's what we're going to talk about next time. The and the massive and sort of unfathomable repression that they face for giving out free food to all takers.
4: That's yeah. This is a good a good place to to put a yeah. pause and then hear the yeah. other side.
3: Sophie, do you have any plugs?
5: Uh yeah. Listen to okay, listen to Hood Politics with Prop mm-hmm. uh, on the, the Cool Zone Media Network, wherever you get your podcasts. That's that's the podcast of my choice to plug right now. And just like follow prop in general, because he's the best at prop hip hop. That is all I would like to plug at this time. Andrew.
4: Oh God. I mean, you know, if you've enjoyed even this amount, um, come out, um, Austin, August 20th and Brooklyn, September 10th. Um, doing that with yosis racist. Me and Tanya knew, some' going to be there. Uh, so far, we just did one show in Boston and I ate a lobster roll on stage in, uh, Many people in the audience said it was one of the worst things they'd ever seen. So get <laughs> ready. You just, ready. It for Challenge.
5: you just sold that for me. 100% on board. was gross. <laughs>
4: <laughs> the way I did it was Margaret,
3: gross. Margaret, you
5: have a book coming out, don't you?
3: I do. On September 20th, my book of short fiction, Cool People Who Did. That's my podcast. Live Like the, That's the other podcast. We won't be here tomorrow there it is Uh, will be out from AK Press on September 20th and you can pre-order it now and if you pre-order through different independent bookstores if you just Google we won't be here tomorrow Margaret Killjoy pre-order or whatever you probably don't even need that many words it'll come up if you order it through um, different independent bookstores including several cooperatives oh this wasn't an episode about cooperatives but they're cool anyway you will get an art print from the book which is also cool that's the end
5: Yay. See you. See, We'll be back. We won't see you, but we'll be back on Wednesday <laughs> with another episode. You ain't seeing <laughs> shit. You ain't seeing shit. This is an audio medium. Get it together. <laughs> uh, okay, bye. Bye. Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: From Tenderfoot TV, this is to Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: I'm Diosa and I'm Mala. We're the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novela, which is a fancy way of
0: saying a a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio season nine. Love Love at first first listen. listen.